The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Lots of you uh, will remember uh, the uh, kerfuffle and the hullabaloo last week after Mary Lou MacDonald on the resumption of power sharing in Northern Ireland suggested that Irish unity was within touching distance. And of course, a lot of the focus of the commentary was on whether she should have said it or not. We're going to set that aside. Forget whether she should have. Is she right? Was she right? Is Irish unity within touching distance or is it a little like uh, cold nuclear fusion? It's 10 years away and it always will be. Uh, with me to discuss uh, Deirdre Heenan, his Professor of Social Policy at Ulster University, Kevin Marr, former Special Advisor at the Northern Ireland Office. He's, he's the author of A United Ireland, Why Unification is Inevitable and How It Will Come About. And Robbie Smith, editor of Unfublocked, former General Secretary of Sinn Féin as well. You're all very welcome. Um, Robbie, do you think Mary Lou was right? Is it within touching distance? And if so, what does touching distance mean? Um, I think she was right and she was right to say it. Um, Touching distance means simple things like we're talking about it. The fact that we're here having this discussion, you know, four or five years ago wasn't being discussed. Um, There's been Sinn Féin and people's assemblies all over the country. Um, Hundreds of people, thousands of people talking about this. Ireland's future filled out the the point to the tree arena with people who wanted to talk about the future of Ireland. And I think that's what's in touch and distance. We need a border poll. We need a citizens assembly for the government here to get things moving, to discuss this. The more we talk about it, this is a very diverse country. How are we going to share it? It's a very diverse place that's failing, failing mm. in the north, failing in the south. How are we going to fix that? And I think that's what the what touching distance means. We're having that conversation about how are we going to fix this island that we all love so much for different reasons? And in your mind, does that come with a timeline? Um, I'd love to see a, a border poll in the next five, ten years. I don't know will that happen, mm. but I'd love to see think that we were moving forward towards it. And would you have confidence that a border poll would get over the line yes. as early as that, yeah. within five to ten years? Yeah, I think the poll, though, has to come out of a discussion like we've had with all the assemblies. What should the wording be? How are we going to share this island? So the 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 other way around to Brexit, as in plan what it might look like before yeah. you have the vote. No, it's have the discussion about that's where the plan comes out of. Like my personally, I think this is the beginning of a second republic. Let's put the different constitutions to one side and rethink it all up again. That would be my personal mm. thing. Maybe some people like might like the word republic, but if we're going to share the island, we need a new set of rules. We need to respect everybody. We need to keep people's views. We need to, to build a future, whether it's climate change, our language, our infrastructure, or how we deal with uh, simple things like growing the economy. How are we going to do that together? Uh, I, I mentioned Kevin Maher and Deirdre Heenan, who are with us as well. Um, Deirdre, I mean, what does the polling suggest in terms of the possibility of a United Ireland? If it were to be held now, and I appreciate Robbie's not talking about a border poll today, but were it to be held today? Well, I suppose I am a co-founder and former co-director of the Northern Ireland Life and Time Survey, and it is probably the most reliable indicator of attitudes. Uh, I wouldn't say it's totally reliable because no opinion poll is. And of course, our politicians will tell you that the only opinion poll matters is the poll on the day. But what we do... But they know say that, Deirdre, when they're down in them. When they're well, up, they like to talk about them. Yeah. When they like them, they like them. <laughs> but we do know that there has been a rise in support for unification since 1998. Uh, our surveys would show that if power sharing is working, 
it seems to be that support for change, constitutional change, is less likely. So, for example, a decade ago, 66% of voters supported Northern Ireland staying in the UK and 17% supported reunification. In 2022, after the power sharing collapse, after the toxicity of Brexit, support had fallen for Northern Ireland staying in the UK to 48% and 31% supported reunification. And the biggest rise in support was those who didn't identify as either Protestant or Catholic. And I suppose another thing that we felt was interesting is there were clear demographic differences, that younger people were more likely to support reunification. And I suppose that supports the view that, uh, as Sinn Féin would say, reunification is inevitable because of demographic change. My view is change is inevitable. But what that looks like, we do not know. We didn't foresee Brexit. And yes, something has changed, but it is important to say 10 years ago, Irish reunification was rarely discussed. The constitutional issue was largely viewed as settled. Yes, it was something in the far off distant past that someone could talk about in the pub on a Friday afternoon. But really, what happened under um, Brexit, us being taken out of the European Union against our will, really changed that. And yes, the Good Friday Agreement settled the constitutional issue. But mm. Brexit destabilised all of that. Relations broke down between the UK and the Irish governments. Uh, people were beginning to feel that nationals in the North had no voice. So that happened. And then we had the collapse of power, power sharing and a very, very unusual political process where we had a bilateral process between the British government and the DUP. So prior to this, when we had breakdown or crisis, we were used to this multi-party talks. We were used to watching our politicians walking up and down, being outside microphones, uh, talking about the progress that had been made. This was a very different process. Uh, we didn't know what was being discussed. We didn't know who was discussing it. It was very clandestine, seemed like a, a grubby little process that people were excluded from. And those principles of rigorous impartiality, mm. uh, mutual respect seemed to have been cast aside. And it was anything goes as long as we can get the prize of a functioning government up and running. Um, and then, of course, we had the publication of the command paper, which has been described as a, a love letter to unionists. <laughs> um, and when you read that command paper, I mean, it is some of the comments and it. You, you would be taken aback that, that the government would feel it would be appropriate to tell us five times that they'd copper fastened the union, mm -hmm. tell us, I think, 50 times in, in different ways how important unionists were to the union. But the bottom line is this. That love letter uh, is there. It got the deal over the line. But in the end, what is very clear from the Brexit process is once the, inst uh, the interests of unionists come up against the interests of the British state, there's only one winner. So I think the relations have changed. Uh, Kevin Maher, I mentioned, is with us uh, as well, Deirdre and Robbie. Um, Kevin, when people talk about the pieces coming together to a degree, they talk about... Um, oh, yeah. You know, a, a Sinn Féin first minister in the north, the possibility of a Sinn Féin Taoiseach uh, in the south. Uh, to what extent do we overlook Brexit? Deirdre talked a, quite a bit about it there. 
But I think Brexit has been, um, it's been an accelerant that, that's created all kinds of problems. It's brought all, all kinds of problems about Northern Ireland and thrown them into sharp relief. But under, underpinning all of that accelerant, if you like, is, is the, the dry tinder of lots and lots of other issues. And we've touched on some of them a little bit around the, the changing demography of Northern Ireland, which is important because Northern Ireland was created 103 years ago as a Protestant unionist fief. It doesn't want any longer on the numbers. Um, we've seen change in election results, um, which are really significant. We, talk, we talked a minute ago about the polling. The polling's kind of in two places, depending on how, how it's measured. But the election results are pretty clear. Sinn Féin obviously topped the poll in the 2022 Assembly elections. But the, the, the really interesting one is the 2023 local elections from, from last year, where it, when you combine together nationalist parties and candidates and unionist parties and candidates, you start to see nationalist parties tipping ahead of unionists for the very first time. That's profound. That's massive. That's a real, real inflection point where nothing is ever going to be the same again. The tectonic plates electorally have shifted in Northern Ireland. And it's only going to go one way because we can see from the balance of the population profile of Northern Ireland, young Catholics will outnumber young Protestants. I mean, you know, do the maths on that. Change is inevitable. I I think Deirdre made that that point a minute ago. I mean, I've obviously stuck my neck out and said (laughs) Irish unification is inevitable. I completely hold to that because I think this is a bit like it's a bit like a kind of if you can imagine as a, as a visual metaphor it's a bit like a piece of driftwood in the surf it's just out there it's it is in touching yeah. distance to, to, to quote Mary Lou but it will take its own time to land on the beach but the forces that are pushing it along are elemental are, are there not it's Kevin are there not um, other manifestations of change that are possible. So a change to the constitutionality of the six counties that's not necessarily United Ireland. No. You know, we talk about kind of this growing identity of kind of Northern Irish. I'm not sure, like, how deep that is um, as somebody not from that part of the world. But, you know, is that a possibility? Not really, no. I mean, it's not, not obviously within the context of the Good Friday Agreement anyway. This is a binary choice. There is either the existence of Northern Ireland or there is the existence of a 32-county sovereign uh, island of Ireland. You know, there is no middle way. There is, you know, this, this is the point, really, sometimes with, with politics, where with this referendum, it does crush up against two positions. And I think when people are presented with that binary, with that choice, that that um, when we've had a discussion and when we've laid out what the, I think the, the appreciable benefits to everybody on the island of Ireland will be, that there will be a big vote in the south for that and there will be a, a significant vote in the north for it as well it will get across that line because i can we can see from the election results and we can see for example what's very interesting is when you look at the kind of second preference votes of alliance voters and green voters they tip disproportionately for nationalist parties we saw that in the assembly election in 2022 now now you know the north is a myriad of competing political parties but the, you know when this referendum comes you tick that box or you tick that box and i think there's a lot of people in that center ground that are very persuadable for change and very persuadable and open to the, the prospect of, of United Ireland yeah. if they feel like it, it benefits them. R- Rupert's after getting in touch to say he's been stuck on the M50 without moving for an hour. Can you ask anyone in the North why in God's name they'd want to join <laughs> this country? Um, <laughs> R- R- Robbie, well, when you talk about um, the conversations that need to be had, I mean, you know the way kind of these political analysts and, and uh, kind of election advisors talk about things. They say there's kind of a cohort of people who will vote for you and a cohort of people who won't and you're not going to change their mind. And then there's a big mass of people in the middle and that's that's who your message needs to be directed at. I mean, is is that the case here? No, or? I don't. I think that's okay. the complete wrong way to come about it. And 
Deirdre talked about reunification. I don't think that's the right word. I wouldn't ask anyone to join this state. Nobody. I just think that's a mistake. We need something better. And we need something better for the people in the 26 counties and we need something better for the people in the six. That's what should be discussed. So let me ask you then, to what extent does the conversation need to happen in the 26 counties? Oh, because big, I imagine in a time, lot of people's minds... You know, and, the 32 and, county republic is just this country, but bigger. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's wrong. And it was a great, um, the Tommy Turnin show earlier on this year had um, Patrick Keelty on it before he was late, late showed. And he is brilliant. And I recommend anyone to go back and watch that because he puts it Don't, up to Tommy. I'm going to interrupt you. Don't bother your ass. <laughs> go back and watch that. Patrick was on the hard shoulder last year when we were in London uh, talking about the same thing. Yeah. So go back and listen to that. We'll put I'll take, we'll put the podcast up uh, on do, Twitter. Because he's pretty clear he about brilliant. what we need to do in the South to think about and what, what's up to us. If we're going to share this place, we have to really share it. And it's up to us as much as it is to anyone in the North. And is that Kind of the, the next part of the conversation, is it? I mean, yeah. the first part is acknowledging that, you know, this is, will happen slash this might happen. And now we've got to talk about what it could or should look like, is it? Yeah. And, you know, would have a parliament in Belfast for six months, a parliament in Dublin for six months, parliament in Cork. Move around, let people see it. it Jesus, works. don't put a parliament in Cork, they'll get ideas. <laughs> we'll, we'll gain six counties, we'll lose one. <laughs> Robbie, listen, uh, it's been a pleasure. Thanks a million for coming into studio. Robbie Smith is editor of Unfoodblocked, former General Secretary of Sinn Féin. Uh, thank you as well to Deirdre Heenan, who's a professor of social policy at Ulster University, and Kevin Maher, former special advisor at the Northern Ireland office. As Kevin says, his book is A United Ireland, Why Unification is Inevitable and How It Will Come About. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from 4 on News Talk.